Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is March the 1st, 2019. Strong hand. Long-term thinking. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Offended by selling. Unconfiscatable. All right. I'm excited. Caitlin Long is on the show. She's very excited too. We were just talking <laughs> and uh, it's great to have you back on the show, Caitlin. Welcome back. Oh, Welcome. Adam. It's great to be back on the show. Thank you. There's been a lot going on and I've been a busy girl. Okay. Okay. So we're going to cover, we're going to cover everything. The last time you were on the show, it, it was a rocking time with three guests, but we didn't have any time really to talk about Wyoming and, and, and blockchain <laughs> and Bitcoin and everything that's, that's going on there. And I wanted to start with a tweet that you retweeted and you can take it from there. Uh, this, you didn't say this, but you retweeted it. Wyoming will be the new Silicon Valley in 10 years. Yeah, I actually think it's it, there's a very good chance that that happens. It's not going to develop the same way the Silicon Valley did, but uh, it's certainly going to be the Delaware of the blockchain industry. I, I think most most businesses will end up adopting Wyoming law for their digital asset contracts. I think a, a lot more businesses will end up domiciling there, and I've heard through the grapevine that that's indeed happening. The, the, uh, there's been a big bump in the number of businesses that are blockchain related that have been registering in Wyoming in the last few weeks. Yay, thank you. Uh, and then uh, I think a lot of other businesses are actually going to move there. IOHK was the first big one to announce that, that uh, they actually are locating there uh, and they're opening an office in Cheyenne and you know, re-domiciling out of Hong Kong to Wyoming. Uh, so I, I, you know, Jesse Powell let me post a picture of his visit to Cheyenne uh, when he was there. So he didn't seem to have any problems with keeping that quiet. Um, it, it just takes a few of those kind of thoughtful people in the industry for the floodgate to open. And I think it's about to. Wow. Now, for a lot of people watching at this moment live, uh, <laughs> they're not in the United States. So yeah. they don't they don't even know. They're like, Wyoming? What's Wyoming? Well, explain what Wyoming is and uh, and what exactly is going on there. What has been laid down, the new laws and everything? Yeah. So Wyoming is actually the, the least populous state in the United States, but it's massive. So it's a very rural state. It's um, It's got Jackson Hole, which is one of the world famous ski areas. And of course, Yellowstone National Park. So it's got some spectacularly beautiful scenery, um, but it's also the home of the lowest taxes in the United States. And it's it's culturally got a, a, a lot of overlap with the ethos of the Bitcoin and crypto communities. It, it's, it, it believes in individual rights, individual freedoms, very strong property rights, and good fences make good neighbor, neighbors. Let's have you know clarity on where those property rights are drawn. So uh, there's a lot about Wyoming. I, I love the, uh, my, my undergraduate alma mater, I grew up there. Um, it, it, my undergraduate alma mater is bucking the system since 1886. Uh, you know, again, I think the crypto folks uh, can, uh, can appreciate that. And, and maybe that helps explain why this little state by population uh, ended up 
grabbing the lead in this industry because there's just a lot philosophically about the two that overlap and I love them both. And you can see why. The fact that I grew up in Wyoming and went to a university whose motto is bucking the system, um, you know, helps to tell you how culturally I came to think the way that I did and the way that I do and, uh, and, and why I appreciated Bitcoin and blockchain. So what are the incentives to, to, to locate there uh, for, for a company that's dealing with Bitcoin? Well, I, I have to say the tax incentives are especially interesting. There's no income tax in Wyoming, no personal income tax, no corporate income tax for businesses, no gross receipts tax or a franchise tax. All the other states get you that way. Wyoming doesn't. And uh, uh, there's also no tax, very importantly, on crypto. Um, we exempted crypto last year from property taxes. And this year, by defining it as intangible personal property, one of the benefits of doing that is that sales taxes only apply to tangible personal property. So even a merchant that's accepting Bitcoin or other crypto for, um, you know, as payment for goods, isn't going to have to pay sales taxes on that. So it's so tax friendly, but it's also crypto friendly. Uh, we, we, we've exempted crypto to crypto transactions from the money transmitter laws. We were the first state to define what a utility token is as being exempt from securities laws. Um, that, and those were done in 2018. There are a number of states that, that are now copying Wyoming. And then this year, we went a lot farther with some really interesting legislation. We now have a fintech sandbox. So if, if you're doing anything innovative that may run afoul of the laws in Wyoming, all you have to do is apply for an exemption. And as long as you're not going to hurt consumers and you post a consumer protection bond, you're going to be fine, most likely. And uh, that's a two-year exemption that can be extended for three years. So essentially, that's a huge opening for any innovator to come into the state of Wyoming. We also have reciprocity with other sandboxes not just domestically, but also internationally. And I, I've had some conversations with Bermuda, which also has a sandbox, which is a gateway to Europe. So you can get Europe and North America through working together with Wyoming and Bermuda, whose sandboxes have reciprocity. So um, that's a really exciting aspect for innovators. Um, and then I, I suspect you'll wanna talk about the, the two financial institutions um, and and uh, property rights bills as well. So, but uh, I'll, I started with the FinTech Sandbox because it just gives you some sense that there's some really uh, it, 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 low regulation, you know, appropriate common sense stuff going on in Wyoming. And when I see other states with their heavy handed regulation, especially now California, and Nevada, which was in the beginning pretty crypto friendly, you know, just come to Wyoming. There's a culture here that it's it's going to, I think, stay very friendly to this industry. Yeah. So elaborate on those two other aspects too, the financial, uh, what you were just saying. But yes, I will. And uh, by the way, one other thing that frequently comes up because you've got a lot of Bitcoin focused listeners, um, lightning nodes. A lot of folks think lightning nodes are going to end up being caught by money transmitter laws. And it's very clear in Wyoming that they're not. I'm not giving legal advice, but crypto to crypto transactions are exempt from the money transmitter law in Wyoming. Uh, Montana doesn't have a money transmitter law. I wish Wyoming would get rid of theirs, but we weren't able to get it to go that far. But I, I, I did want to highlight that as well. Uh, so um, we, we have two very, very important bills, one of which is a bank that will serve the blockchain industry. Uh, and another one is a, a bill that defines digital assets under commercial law called the Uniform Commercial Code, and then defines how custodians of digital assets 
have to custody those assets. Um, and you know, as some of your listeners are thinking, not your not your keys, not your coins, which is of course true, and I vehemently agree with that, and I'm a big supporter of proof of keys. Uh, and so why would there ever be a need for a digital asset custodian? Institutional investors in the United States have to, by law, keep their assets at a third-party custodian. So we're talking about big retirement plans uh, and, and the like. So, um, so Wyoming is set up an institutional quality digital asset custody law that really retail companies will not need. It's the institutional ones that have heightened regulatory requirements pursuant to the SEC that uh, that that matter here. Uh, so let's break that down. The, the, the first one, HB 74, is designed to help the the crypto industry solve a persistent problem, which is that the traditional banking industry really doesn't want to bank us. There's just a handful of banks. Uh, you know, I call out Silvergate as being such a huge benefit to this industry. Um, and Silvergate is one bank and they've done an amazing job helping all of us with our fiat on and off ramps. But uh, they're only one bank. And there are, I think, now only four banks that reliably bank this industry. So uh, what we've done is authorize a state chartered bank that is not subject to the FDIC. It's a 100 percent reserve bank. Uh, so some of you might <laughs> be thinking, wow, that's not, there's some Rothbard in that. Yep, um, there definitely is. It's for businesses only, so it's not for retail. Um, it, can't, it cannot do business with any customers that are not bona fide businesses. Um, and because it's, it's, a, it, it's not FDIC insured, it's 100% reserve. Um, not being FDIC insured is a benefit because it, 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 when we dug into this, what we realized is that the FDIC was really the reason why so few banks, traditional banks, want to provide basic U.S. dollar banking services to the blockchain industry. Um, it, it's the FDIC who cracked down on 30 different industries it deemed high risk um, in, uh, in, in the last five years. And, and the blockchain industry, broadly speaking, was, was included in that. Even one of the trade associations, which wasn't even touching crypto, lost their bank account in Wyoming because they were associated with this industry, right? So, um, uh, so, so we, we've solved that problem. There will be, I already know there are at least three um, groups that are lining up to set up these special purpose depository institutions. Applications for the charter are not opening until October 1st. Uh, so, so the banks probably won't open their doors until probably about a year from now. So it, it doesn't solve the near-term problem but you know we're all playing the long game here, and it's going to be a pretty valuable utility for the industry. So that's the special purpose depository institution. Very clearly, though, it's not taking crypto deposits; it's just taking dollar deposits. But it's going to be really important to the fiat on and off ramp for this industry. Wow! So there, there are going to be banks that are crypto friendly in Wyoming only, basically. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. Well, they can do business outside of Wyoming. They're oh, of course, of yeah. course. What, what yeah. I meant was the only ones like in the United States that are crypto friendly are going to be located in Wyoming yeah. because you yeah. got this rule passed. This is great. Yes. yes. And and they can practice uh, uh, fractional reserve lending. They'll actually have the That's money right. there. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be a classic money warehouse. Yeah, you're going to have to pay fees because you know they're not making money on loans by lending out your money. Um, so that you know it's not going to be as friendly as a traditional bank. If you can get a traditional bank account, that's going to be the place you're going to probably do most of your business because you're not going to be paying fees on everything. But the one thing about the the Wyoming crypto friendly banks is. 
that they are not going to withdraw your bank account. If you pass the know your customer and anti-money laundering requirements, which uh, which do still apply, unfortunately, um, then you're not going to lose your bank account. Um, now, the anti-money laundering and, and know your customer requirements, those are federal requirements. I've I've publicly written about why I think those are unconstitutional, but they're the law of the land right now. So the banks have to comply with those. And, and the Wyoming state chartered banks are going to have to comply with them too, well, just to be I, clear. And again, people be patient here. Long-term yeah. thinking with Caitlin Long. Pound <laughs> that like button, people. All right. You had something. I think you were going to say some other financial aspect of the new laws. or Yeah. So, so okay. So let's talk to you about the second bill. This is, this is the one that, uh, that we got attacked on, um, and and this was it's uh, Senate File 125, and it classifies digital assets under the under commercial law called the Uniform Commercial Code, as well as defines uh, the custody standards. So um, let's break that down because that's two different pieces in one bill. The um, digital assets are defined as personal property in the state of Wyoming. Uh, now let me stop and say I think that digital assets are speech, uh, but they're also property. And so there's been a lot of debate on Twitter whether they should be regulated as property. The honest truth is people are using them as property. People are you know, lending their Bitcoins already. Uh, and so um, we wanna make sure that the property laws are as favorable to uh, individual owners of these assets as possible. And that's what we did. Um, uh, we, we've uh, classified virtual currencies, including Bitcoin, under, the, under commercial laws as if they're money. They're not technically money, to be clear. There have been some headlines about the law that have been wrong. Um, only the U.S. Congress has the ability to dictate what um, legal tender is in the United States. But we can still apply the same commercial laws uh, to virtual currencies as money. Nobody else has ever, ever done that. Uh, and and, and uh, Bitcoin and virtual currencies are treated from a commercial law perspective as if they're money. What does that mean? It means that the users of Bitcoin don't have to worry about taking their Bitcoin free and clear of a previous lien that's been put on the Bitcoins as long as they know they're, they're not defrauding a lender. So, you know, money has the highest negotiability rules under U.S. law and and Bitcoin is in, in, in based on Wyoming's law are uh, is, is going to have those same rules. Um, a lot of questions have come in about whether the federal laws can trump the state laws. And in this area, the answer is absolutely not. The states determine commercial law, property law and commerce are the purview of the states, not the federal government. So the feds are not going to be able to uh, to trump Wyoming here. Wyoming wins. Um, so we've we've also mapped up digital securities to traditional securities for uh, UCC purposes. And we've also mapped um, the the uh, uh, we called them digital consumer assets. Um, which are utility tokens and, and real estate tokens, uh, tokenized anything else that doesn't fit in the other buckets. We mapped those to something called general intangibles under the Uniform Commercial Code. Um, and there's there's so many layers about what we did here, but the, one of the big takeaways is that um, if, if you bought a Bitcoin that had a previously enforceable lien on it and you didn't know that there was a lien on it, technically, 
the lender who placed that lien on the Bitcoin can take you to court and take your Bitcoin. Now, that's probably making everybody's heads explode. The reality is I don't think that's ever happened yet. And it's going to be really hard to do that. But it's not impossible. It's one of those edge case things that lawyers have been talking about. Uh, a lot of lawyers wrote articles saying this is Bitcoin's Achilles heel that you know liens can get placed on these things and then you buy them not realizing a lien was placed on them because there's no way to track the liens on the blockchain itself and therefore you know you end up with clouded title um, these commercial laws are designed to bear to, to to enhance the ability of people not to have clouded title when they buy an asset that's that's what we mean by negotiability and so what we did in Wyoming, here's one of the drum rolls. This was Trace Mayer's idea, actually. Let's have Wyoming law be a place where you can cleanse all Bitcoin of previously existing liens that you might not know about. Uh, and so most, in most cases, you know, a lender like BlockFi or Salt Lending or those, those kinds of firms, they're going to take, they're going to what's called perfect their security interest, which is legalese for create an enforceable lien when they lend against Bitcoin. They're going to perfect that security interest by control. But there are going to be some liens that are not per perfected by control. Um, like, for example, uh, Overstock.com takes Bitcoin for, um, for in, you know, as, as purchase for inventory, Dell for as purchase for computers, etc. Those big businesses have bank loans that say they have an, a, a lien on all of the inventory and the proceeds therefrom, right? So if Dell sells you a laptop for Bitcoin, technically that bank has a lien on the Bitcoin that Dell accepted. And then when it turns around and sells that Bitcoin, um, that's where you start to get the cloudy title issue. And again, these are edge cases, but they're real. And so what we did is after two years of the Bitcoin being located in Wyoming, all those previous liens are deemed expired. So that means that there's a real incentive for the exchanges and the um, custodians and individuals too to get a nexus to Wyoming law because if you stored your Bitcoin, located it in Wyoming for two years, then you don't have any more liens on it. Um, and we made it super easy to get a nexus to Wyoming. You don't actually have to physically be there. Um, to to have a nexus to Wyoming to get these protections. So this is a really cool thing to help the Bitcoin ecosystem, as yeah. especially as Bitcoin gets financialized. Yeah. Well, the, the, this is this is a really important point. Yeah. So if, if people want to play legalese games with your Bitcoin, Wyoming cleans it up real quick for you. That, that, that's that's right. a some that's a summation. But how <laughs> would I uh, how would I uh, get an, a legal nexus there, or whatever you just called it? Uh, do you just have a post office box, Adam Meister in Cheyenne, or what? What, what are the uh, qualifications? Well, it's really easy, and and again, that you know, this is probably blowing everyone's mind. How is it that we're locating Bitcoin in Wyoming? Um, I love how, how how Trace phrases it. We, we're making this backwards compatible to the legal system, uh, and this is how we did it. We, we if, if you have a nexus to Wyoming, if you actually have your hardware, you know, your HSM or your Trezor or your Ledger in Wyoming, then the Bitcoins are deemed in Wyoming. If you have a Wyoming LLC that you own your Bitcoins through, we actually talked about this at Satoshi Roundtable. There are reasons why individuals might want to set up a Wyoming LLC. And then when you buy or sell it through exchanges, the, instead, of, instead of you as an individual, it's a Wyoming LLC that's doing business with the exchanges. And then you know for sure that the, that if that you know, they're subject to Wyoming law. 
And of course, you know, the, the, the big exchanges and, and custodians that have cold storage vaults, you know, super high security, Fort Knox kind of stuff, they now have a real incentive to put that in Wyoming too. And uh, for, for what it's worth, there are a lot of uh, old abandoned missile silos in the state of Wyoming. I, I am aware of one of those that, that is already serving as a cold storage, you know, deep cold storage vault. Oh, that's that's so, so cool. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I for if th this is great news, I see a lot of businesses who want to avoid this legal nonsense that you were talking about. Yeah, why not just set up something in Wyoming then? Just a, yeah. a rent a space, put a trezor there. That's where my that's where my Bitcoin there. Whatever they got to do. This, this is this is great news. I see. I, I mean, this it, maybe it will be the Silicon Valley of uh, of the twenty twenties. <laughs> We've so, done I mean, a lot to make it, you know, very friendly to this industry, as you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> and again, there's a natural. There's a lot of people from California that want to get out of California that 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 want technical jobs. Uh, they've moved to Boise. I've seen it with from my own eyes. Why not move to Wyoming? Again, Denver is right down the road. People can commute to to, to Denver from Denver yeah, to work in. To, to work in Cheyenne. Yeah. Um, I mean, people now probably commute from Cheyenne to work in Denver. But again, this is, again, people think Wyoming is in the middle of nowhere. But when you, the southern part of Wyoming is right yeah. in, very close to Denver, a part of the megapolis or whatever they want to. Yeah. Um, well, and Jackson Hole is pretty beautiful too. I just started sending out tweets yesterday about the different places in Wyoming because so many people are asking me, where is the crypto community congregating in Wyoming? And right now it's in Cheyenne, as you pointed out, which is essentially just an extension of the front range of Denver. Um, it really is almost suburban Denver already. It's only 10 miles inside the Colorado border. Uh, and then the other the other side of the state is, is Jackson Hole. Uh, that's got the best airport. Pretty much you can fly in, connect from any of the major airports on, and on all of the major airlines into Denver. Uh, sorry, into into Jackson, and it's spectacular. That's where Active Ether when it left New York City. That's where it chose to go. So IOHK went to Cheyenne. Active Ether went to New York City, or sorry, went to Jackson Hole from New York City. Um, and then uh, Casper is the third city that I'll highlight, uh, and that's in the middle of the state. Node Haven fell in love with that. So we've got so far three three towns. Uh, there are blockchain businesses that are setting up in my hometown of Laramie, Wyoming, as well, which is where the university is. That too is just over the border. From, uh, from from Denver, it's an hour and a half from Denver. So you've got lots of choices. Um, and, and Wyoming residency is really easy to get for tax purposes. Uh, so, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to be there full time. Uh, there's, there's a reason why the billionaires are pushing the millionaires out in Jackson Hole because uh, it, it's very easy to get Wyoming residency for tax purposes and then you don't have to pay any state income taxes. Oh, the Californians will be coming soon. Okay, oh, they now, already are. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's the deal. You are marketing this like a banshee. This is awesome. But is there? <laughs> and she's and she's linked to below. By the way, you can check out her. Of course, follow her on Twitter. But is there a central marketing blockchain Bitcoin group that's been formed in Wyoming that's got all this information and then that that's that's going to pay for a uh, billboards in in downtown San Francisco? That's my recommendation. You know, I, it's. <laughs> It's so interesting that um, you're asking that because I, I just I literally have been working with the governor's office on trying to figure out how are we going to handle this because the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition is all is a ragtag band of volunteers. We we've never raised money. I'm funding all this with my own personal uh, expenses thanks to Satoshi, uh, and 
um, you know, right now I, I'm, I'm just rolling with it, but I'm just one person. And so I'm, I'm talking to the state of Wyoming. They do have business development folks. Some of the videos that you'll see me tweet out about the different towns in Wyoming, uh, th those, those were already prepared um, as, as uh, business development stuff. So I wish I could tell you there were one central place we're working on it. Um, one person put it this way, Wyoming is America's emerging market. It doesn't have a lot of the kind of infrastructure you expect to find in, you know, developed markets, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, we don't have the infrastructure, but then again, we don't have the infrastructure. Um, you can, it's a blank slate and there are opportunity zones all around the state. I just looked this up yesterday. There are 25 opportunity zones, some very interesting tax structuring can be done. I can't give tax advice. But uh, opportunity zones allow you to defer or potentially even um, um, remove your federal capital gains obligations. There are 25 places in the state of Wyoming where that where you can do that if you come and uh, plant your flag in Wyoming. So you need to talk to a tax advisor about that. But there are a lot of people I'm sure listening to your show who have big unrealized capital gains on their crypto and. I think I just, uh, you know, made it really valuable for some of them <laughs> to figure out there are some interesting ideas that, that their tax accountant may be able to help them figure out. And Wyoming plays a big role in that. Yeah. Yeah. People think about the Puerto Rico to do it that way, do it this way. And you, your line, Wyoming is America's emerging market. Pound that like button, people. That was an <laughs> awesome line. Why go to Brazil or wherever some faraway uh, country say oh i'm into i'm into emerging markets oh i'm so exotic no go to america's own emerging market it's right there above denver go check it out i like that line that is you i mean you're you've been marketing uh but, but yeah that it would be great if somebody stepped up there formed some uh, bitcoin wyoming marketing thing yeah i think that there it, it's it'll come inevitably yeah. right as we get more people there more 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 crypto industry people there and and the industry's just been awesome anytime i've needed bodies in seats during the legislative process i just put the call out um you know ihk sent folks especially shapeshift sent folks um singular dtv sent folks consensus sent folks you know we've we've had a lot of people show up um even the bitcoin.com folks showed up and sponsored wyo hackathon so you know we the industry when i put out the call for help from the industry uh the industry shows up and uh i'm not taking sides in any of the battles in the industry because frankly it's not appropriate for states to legislate one way or the other uh, you know to try to pick winners what we've done is just open it up and say all you creative people come on in um there's not a lot of infrastructure but it's it's uh it's a greenfield and you're not going to run into the kind of heavy-handed regulation and the kind of um you know incumbents that will be working against you so those are those are huge positives it's from a regulatory and legal perspective there is no friendlier place inside the united states to do business all right. Now we're going to, you, you let something slip. You were at Satoshi Roundtable. I'm going to ask you about that in a yeah. second because yeah. I was, I, I forgot, I kind of knew you were there. And then I'm like, oh, here, I got someone who was there. She can tell us what really goes on there because everybody makes up conspiracy theories about it. Uh, you, get, yeah. you get that. But, but before we go there, I did want to ask this, we'll, we'll say something about how the United States is structured. There are 50 states in the United States. Each one yeah. you're supposed to, it's a separate Petri dish. You can do different things. And she's showing the beauty that they're doing something totally different there in Wyoming. Recently, um, on, on I don't know if it was on Twitter, if it was someone said, 
was complaining, why does Wyoming have two senators? Why Why is the oh. United States structured this way? Why Why can Wyoming, is such a small population in you know, a little corner of Southern California, why, why is Wyoming more? Now, again, we have the House of Representatives, which that person obviously didn't understand the concept of that. Yeah. And then you have the Senate. What do you think about that when people are starting to bring up what I consider ridiculous. Why does Wyoming have two senators? Yeah. <laughs> well, because technically the United States is not a democracy. It's a republic. And uh, yeah. Um, and, and also uh, the, the, uh, the framers of the Constitution of the United States in their infinite wisdom understood that mob rule um, is not effective. And so they designed it with a natural, um, you know, tension in the balance of power between the House of Representatives, which is truly proportional and is determined by population, and then and then each of the fifty states has their has has two senators, and that's supposed to balance out mob rule. And you know, generally speaking, I think it does. The U.S. has a lot of political problems, um, and one of the things that I love about Wyoming, among many things, is that it is that all of the states' representatives and senators, and it's structured the same way. The Senate, you know, is not based on population. Um, what the House of Representatives in Wyoming is. But here's, here's the kicker. Everybody has real jobs. They actually are constitutionally prohibited from meeting more than 60 days a year in a general session and 30, I think it's 30 days a year in a budget session and they alternate every other year. So, uh, you know, basically these are real people who have real jobs. They live in the real world. They don't have staffs of, of people who analyze things to death and they're not as subject to the, the you know, money in politics as a result because they actually have real jobs um, and they're not professional politicians. I love that about Wyoming. And it means that they're making a lot of the decisions that they make based on principle and common sense and, you know, simple upside downside calculations. You know, a lot of people ask, how did we do this in Wyoming? It was not, if you look at the votes on our most of our legislation, they're overwhelmingly positive. And in a number of cases, they're actually unanimous. Did every one of the representatives and senators have a great depth of knowledge about every one of those 13 bills that went through between 2018 and 2019? No, of course not. What they were doing was making rational decisions about what's the upside to Wyoming and what's the downside. We didn't ask Wyoming for appropriations until this year. We did ask for one finally this year. But generally speaking, you know, it costs the state nothing and it's going to be bringing in businesses. And are there going to be problems? Yeah, we've always been up front. There are going to be some fraudsters that come in, but we've got the, the laws to take care of that. And so far, you know, the, the industry has been good to Wyoming. We've had two fraud problems that I know about, but that's it. Um, and you know what? There's fraud in anything. I don't know that that's even that much more prevalent than any regular business. So it's been a, it's, 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 Wyoming's a pretty, it works. It works politically. It works business-wise. Uh, and you've got space to breathe out there for sure. And again, I want it. So everything that Caitlin has said, it, it just shows you we are, we're made of 50 separate states and people yep. forget that. I think there's a lot of people who've grown up with the mentality that every state should be the same. Every every state, if you're in the country of the United States, everything should be run the same way. And then then it's unfair that that, that one state with such a small population has the same say as a California. And but they, they're missing the point. <laughs> they're they're separate states. They're separate entities. They're going to do things different ways, and it's great that we have those options. and And the Absolutely. citizens of the United the citizens of the United States can make a choice with their feet. They can move to wherever they want to. So 
it really it, it saddened me when I when people when I heard that people were complaining. Why does why yeah. does Wyoming have two senators? <laughs> Let's change the whole thing. Changing the whole thing would mean making the United States one big cookie cutter country. It's fifty yeah. separate states. Let's. That's the way it was meant. It was 13 states originally. We we expanded it to 50. They're all they are supposed to be different. We're not all supposed to be. We are do things differently. And I think a lot of people have grown up and they want the federal power to come in and say, no, everyone does it the same way. And that's not that's not the way it should be. That's, yeah. I'm, well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we actually did have to fend off an attack on the SF-125, the one that gave property rights to individual digital asset digital asset owners. Um, that's the one that mapped they mapped Bitcoin to the commercial rules for money. We had we had a big attack from a, a group called the Uniform Law Commission. They in the middle of Wyoming's process. This is like two to three days after the bill had been introduced. I think it had already gone through the first committee. Um, a letter came in from the Uniform Law Commission addressed to individuals. So um, it hasn't been publicly released because it wasn't addressed to any of the state bodies. I hope it comes out actually because um, it's got a lot of detail. But what it what it did was it asked Wyoming. It strongly urged Wyoming to drop its effort to classify individual ownership rights in digital assets, and they asked us instead to enact their uniform law, which would only recognize commercial, the enhanced commercial rights for digital assets if you own them through an intermediary, a securities intermediary. And I looked at that, we looked at that last fall when we saw it and, and immediately rejected it for obvious reasons, right? Every one of your listeners knows exactly why that law makes no sense for digital assets. But um, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's what a, a number of other states are doing. And there is a group called the Uniform Law Commission that tries to keep state laws uniform. Uh, and and for commercial law, I understand why they want it to be uniform because it, it is difficult for 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 businesses to have different commercial laws from state to state. Um, but frankly, uh, the, it's it's only good to have uniform laws when the laws are actually good. And uh, the law that they have proposed is really bad. Uh, it, it's not wrong per se in the sense that um, if somebody wants to own a digital asset indirectly by depositing it in an exchange. Uh, you know, Godspeed. It, it just means, though, that you're a creditor of the exchange. And if the exchange goes bust, you're going to lose money. Uh, but the vast majority of digital assets are owned directly by people. This is a peer to peer technology. Why would the law not recognize that? So Wyoming did and we got attacked for it. And um, uh, it uh, and, and you know what's great? Again, it's so great about Wyoming folks. They looked at it, they deliberated, they looked at the letters. We got two separate letters, appeals from the Uniform Law Commission to stop what we were doing. And uh, that the legislators in Wyoming took their time, they deliberated, and they looked at the substantive issues. We had discussions back and forth on them. And you know what? The, that law passed 28 to one in the Senate and 54 to two in the House. Awesome. So, so they stood up. <laughs> This this group it's called the Uniform Law Commission. It sounds like the Borg yeah. or something. I mean, come on. This is 
anyway, all right. It's let's, mob let's... rule. It's you know, in in some ways, it's the somebody said said today, it's the Illuminati of the legal profession. Yes. And and they uh, and they didn't like what Little Wyoming was doing, taking the lead on this. Uh, and Wyoming showed them that they didn't like being told by the Illuminati to withdraw their bills and uh, and 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 voted with their feet. So uh, you know, it, it it wasn't an effective attack based on how the uh, how the vote count came out, and then um, Governor Gordon signed that into law on Tuesday of this week. So yeah. Okay, we need these states to keep on being separate states and standing up for themselves. Fitting in is overrated. Do do your own thing. That's what I say. All right, so let's talk about Satoshi. What? Tell tell me some interesting tidbits about uh, Satoshi's roundtable. Obviously, you I, I'm sure you talked about. Uh, the, the benefits of Wyoming there, but what are some things yeah. you learned or what, what's, what do you expect for the next year? Because these were some movers and shakers you were talking with. Her. Well, it's interesting because it's the second time I'd gone. I'd been invited before, uh, but, but um, hadn't been able to go at, until last year. It's, it's what's called an unconference. Um, it, there's nothing organized about it. People just self-organize into groups. We know the hot topics that people want to talk about. Um, and, you know, it's just a place where, it's not like the the you know the mobbed conferences um, where you know five thousand people are there. It's a small number. I think it was one hundred seventy five. Um, now that said, I know there was some controversy this year in social media. Bruce Fenton, who's the organizer of it, has opened up what he's calling mini roundtables to anybody, um, and so it's literally just uh, if you want to go, just sign up for one of his mini roundtables. Make sure you you catch the the reservations early. I think he's doing one in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they only have 30 places in the venue. So he's just limited by the number of seats in the venue, but he's going to do a bunch of them. In fact, actually he's talking to me about doing one in Wyoming. And so uh, stay tuned because it would be awesome to do one in Wyoming. There are plenty of places where we can get, you know, uh, like, you know, library space with big enough rooms that we can hopefully accommodate everyone who wants to, wants to come. Um, but, you know, listen, it was just a lot of side conversations. It's just a lot of, it's a place where I learned a lot. I, I didn't go to all the regulation um, groups uh, because I wanted to learn about Schnorr signatures and Lightning Network. And, you know, I, 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 this is a place where somebody like me can actually go learn about the technology by just listening and being a sieve. And you're hearing it from the people who are actually, there were a number of Bitcoin Core developers there. Um, so I, I don't think that it's the Illuminati of the, uh, of the sector in, in the sense that there's nothing going on behind closed doors. Um, it's just a place where we can all gather. And I think anybody who really wants to go, just reach out to Bruce and he'll he'll make space. There are no sponsors for the conference, so you're gonna have sticker shock. Uh, and again, I paid for it personally. I, I, most, most people actually probably do pay out of pocket. Um, it is stunning how much it costs to, go to conferences when there is no corporate sponsor. Um, and, you know, Bruce likes it that way because it's people wanting to show up and make the best of it. We're making our own personal investment in going. Wow. I, I, I want to say um, that you, you cleared up some aspects of it because people do make it out to be like some Illuminati type of thing. People are, yeah. paying, their own, people are paying their own way to go. That's great. Yeah, That's there's no sponsor. Yeah, not a no, single one. Yeah, yeah. Including now, Bruce. I mean, Bruce takes some some risk, you know, because he's the he's got to make some payments. I assume to the hotel to reserve the rooms, you know, before the cash comes in. But other than that, he he told me he operates it on a break even basis. Um, so it, you know, again, it's it's not like a like like a 
a Bilderberg or a Davos yeah. or something like that, right? Um, and and again, I hope he opens it up and does more of them. I I, I love the fact that he's going to be doing the mini roundtables. Um, and, and there's no sponsors. I think he'll probably stick to the to, to his principle of I'm not taking sponsor money to get this going. It's this is for individuals who want to show up and learn from each other. And I yeah. like that. So at, so there were all sorts of different people there with all sorts of different beliefs of, from blockchain to Bitcoin yeah. to crypto oh, yeah. to whatever. So JP Morgan ask, was there. Yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah. So I so I want to ask you about and you're very familiar with Twitter and social media. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is your take on the there's this like orthodoxy that permeates Twitter in in terms of of Bitcoin maximalism. Someone and someone just in the chat said, "Is she a Bitcoin maximalist?" And, but that 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 that's not the point. Is what what do you think about? You know, there, there's some people that now on social media, it's like if you don't if you're not with the program, then I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're cut. Yeah. Well, I, I um, so I have a nuanced answer to this, but it's one I truly believe. Uh, I, I, I absolutely am Hayekian in, I believe that in the denationalization of money and I believe in the competition for money and may the best one win. I am a Bitcoin maximalist, but over the next 20 years, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And I welcome all of the competition in, in this area. There's so much innovation that's taking place. And I'm not somebody who wants to elbow it out using any laws or um, you know, regulations, the kind of stuff that, ha that happens in crony capitalism. I'm absolutely 100% opposed to all that, which is why, I, you know, one of the XRP army people came after me yesterday, you know, is, is, XRP, is XRP welcome in Wyoming? Of course it is. We've written the laws to be as broad as possible and Godspeed, come on in. And if you have the best platform in the end, you're going to win. I happen to think that Bitcoin has the best platform in the end and it will win even though it isn't the best technology i'm not a technologist but i think most people would even agree you know there's been a lot of tech innovation that's happened in the last 10 years and yet bitcoin by nature of the fact that it has the the best network effects it, it, nobody else is likely to even come close and all of the altcoins are effectively you know, laboratories for new technology, you know, Lightning Network was was released in Litecoin first, right? So it got to everybody, the developers who are the keepers of the code, uh, and that can be anybody, by the way, there's no, there's no, you know, no one who really controls the code. It's all open source. Um, but they got a chance to look at what happened in, in Litecoin first. And I think that's just awesome. It's wonderful. And if, and if they don't develop, don't adopt the technology breakthroughs, like lightning, for example, that that are proven in other coins, then Bitcoin won't win over time. But I have pretty high confidence that because of the economic incentives in Bitcoin, that's going to happen, which is why I do call myself a Bitcoin maximalist. But I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take a long time. And uh, Bitcoin is just going to keep winning. And just yesterday, um, I was thinking about the Lindy effect with Bitcoin. You know, the longer it's the longer technology stays, uh, and and despite all of the the predictions that it's going to die, uh, the the more likely it is exponentially to continue to survive, right? Uh, and people have been saying that about Ethereum for years. There are a lot of technologists whom I respect who talk about the problems in Ethereum. Uh, but you know what? It hasn't died yet either. So, you know, it's Lindy effect uh, is pretty powerful. And 
um, there, there is a benefit to being first, even if the tech's not best. Um, and you know, Godspeed to all of all of this. I, I can't thank the developers in this industry and the full node operators in this industry enough because you're the ones who make the uh, mere mortals like me be able to, uh, you know, to 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 rely on these technologies and to keep them going and to give me the optimism that I can control my own financial destiny. You make an excellent point with the Lindy effect, uh, with Ethereum. There, yeah. there are a lot of big, there are a lot of Bitcoin maximalists who say they believe in the Lindy effect, yeah. and and apply it to Bitcoin. But wait a second, <laughs> look, and 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 they and then they say Ethereum is going to die, but yeah. it hasn't. It's it, it. You got to apply the same still, rule. And Bitcoin may still too, right? We don't know, and the U.S. dollar may still. There, nothing in life is one hundred percent reliable. Nothing. So, you know, it's 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 all a probability game and Bitcoin is all about probabilities. And, you know, every, with every day that goes by, that's what the Lindy effect is. With every day that goes by, the probability of it dying goes down exponentially. And I think that's happening in, in, in all of these platforms. Um, and, you know, in the end, I think a few of them will be standing. Uh, and, and I think Bitcoin's going to be the one that's still standing that's used as money and used as denationalized money. All right. So you brought up that JP Morgan was at the uh, Satoshi Roundtable. Yeah. Uh, that made me think of the JP Morgan coin and the Facebook yeah. coin. What do you think yeah. about these uh, JP Morgan coin and Facebook coin? Yeah. By the way, you know, some of the big companies have been at Satoshi Roundtable. They were there last year too. Um, so, you know, it's, but, but they don't get any special, treatment relative to anybody else. Um, so they're just there to talk. And, and Christine Moy has been so open about uh, talking about J the JPM coin. She, she did a Q and A um, afterwards and, and shared a lot of, of, you know, really good information. I, I, JPM coin essentially is what I look at as the utility settlement coin, which is a project that started in 2015 and it just got mired in regulatory cruft. Um, and it was a multi-bank project. And JP Morgan is one of the 10 ton gorillas. And they just came out and said, well, we're not going to bother with, you know, the regulatory and group dynamic cruft that this other project has. We're just going to do it ourselves and put it out there. And I respect that. Uh, and I do think that, that it's going to, it's going to actually have a big positive impact on corporate, um, payments, especially. Uh, is it going to delay the use of something like Bitcoin? Yeah, so the critics are right in that regard. Um, but uh, it's almost like the intranet versus intra internet, right? It's the walled garden that gets started, but you know those walls are going to get torn down. And I'm not worried about it, um, you know, long term. We, you know, Bitcoin's not ready for huge corporate payment volumes to start to go through it. Uh, I think that ultimately that's what it will be. It will be the intermediary currency of international trade, but we're not ready for that yet. We've, you know, so let JPM coin have their walled garden coin and, and, you know, it, it, it's going to be a lot better than what we have today um, in terms of international payments. I was working with the CFO of Seagate technology. In fact, there's a, interview with him on my blog from three years ago, where he talked about how it takes six days for Seagate to move money from Thailand to the United States. And it's its own money, right? So you're moving from the Thai subsidiary to the US headquarters. Um, and, you know, look, a JPM coin is is going to 
have a big benefit to a company like that. They're going to be able to reduce their settlement times and not have to trap cash. That trap cash is really inefficient. It's a deadweight loss on the economy. So I am glad that we're, we're looking finally at ways to, you know, move money faster than we can move physical packages around the world. Uh, it, but I think this is not going to be the long-term winner and um, the public blockchain cryptos are going to be the long-term winner. Of course. So let, let's Facebook coin rumors about that from yesterday. I thought, well, if, if, if Facebook is uh, already setting up a, uh, with exchanges to sell their coin on the exchange is probably going to happen. But, and this will probably be a good thing for Bitcoin because people will get this Facebook coin somehow and they'll be able to easily turn it into Bitcoin. Have you, have you heard about this Facebook coin? Any thoughts on it? Yeah, I have. I don't know any more than anybody else does. And, and again, I think all this stuff is good. It's competition. And, you know, is it going to take some of the volume away from Bitcoin that otherwise might have gone there? Yeah, maybe I don't know. It's not clear um, because, as to your point, it's just another currency pair that uh, that's that the people can trade on exchanges, and they're going to trade back to Bitcoin anyway. So, it, you know, I, I I look at all this stuff as as welcome innovation. There's incredible human creativity, and may the best one win. And I think it's way too early to to uh, put too many chips on the table uh, to to you know, to go all in on one thing because none of us knows what the future is going to bring. And, uh, you know, I bring it on again. I think that Bitcoin's going to win because nothing will match its network effects. But, um, you know, is, is, uh, is Facebook going to come out with better technology than Bitcoin? You know what? They probably will, but that doesn't mean because it's newer technology. That's what I mean by that. I saw your eyebrows go up. It's yeah, newer yeah. technology, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Bitcoin's ten years old. It's been updated, but um, there's, you know, there, there. I'm sure Facebook's going to come out with a good twist that's going to, if indeed there is a Facebook coin, that's going to make it really interesting. Uh, but you know what? In the end, I don't think it's going to win. It's going to be just like JPM coin. It's yeah, it's it, going to be a central coin. There you go. You you can. It's easy. Well, not easy, but it's it's not that hard to have a centralized coin that's got better technology, but it's still centralized. So still it's centralized. Not, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. That's the yeah. that's the point. We we avoid that. But a lot of people, newbies, they're going to be happy to receive their Facebook coin. They sure. don't care about centralization. They're in the ripple too. I mean, again, let the let everybody do it the way they want to do it. People can learn the hard way, the difference between centralization and, and decentralized and unconfiscatable and confiscatable that people will learn. So yeah. um, I, I want to say um, last, last time you're on, we talked a lot about wall street and financialization. And now we're, yeah. only, we're only, we're only getting to that point now, but I, yeah. I, I do, I do have questions. You, you're so knowledgeable on the, on the financialization aspect, but you yourself said when you were at Satoshi's Roundtable. You were interested, you learned about lightning and uh, or, or what mm -hmm. other technical aspects of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, does Wall Street even care about lightning network? And um, what will make a difference sooner in financialization of Bitcoin or lightningization of Bitcoin? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I want to say lightningization because the, the people who control Bitcoin, as we all know, and we proved in the uh, in, in the soft fork, um, the, the UASF uh, in what was it now a year and a half ago, we proved the full node operators, the hodlers of last resort are the ones who really control Bitcoin. And I don't think Wall Street's going to be able to break that. I, just, I don't. Um, but 
uh, I, I fear that it's actually going to be the financialization that has a bigger impact on it now. Um, and, and, you know, again, this gets back to the Wyoming stuff. We, Wyoming's SF-125 prohibits rehypothecation. It's really the only prohibition in the law. Pretty much everything else is enabling, but that pro it, there's a prohibition against rehypothecation because in Wyoming, it turns out that's actually fraud. Um, and, and it's been adjudicated all the way up to the Wyoming Supreme Court. Somebody actually rehypothecated a diamond, an industrial diamond. Uh, and rehypothecation is, I have an asset, I pledge it as collateral for a loan. Uh, but I still control that asset. So I turn around and I repledge the same asset as collateral for a new loan. And, uh, and it was a felony. The guy, the guy, you know, did jail time over it. Um, and so uh, I think most people who really believe in strong property rights and, you know, good fences make good neighbors would, would, uh, would agree that rehypothecation is a felony. But in New York, it's not. Uh, and, and of course, New York is where most financial institutions um, do business. And, you know, this is one of the things that I pointed out in the Uniform Law Commission uh, situation yesterday as well. Why allowing or, or you know, mandating that uh, to get uniform commercial code protections for Bitcoin, you have to own it through an intermediary. What's the practical impact? You're just going to replicate the problems in the securities industry if you force that. What's the big problem in the securities industry? I can turn off lending in my securities account, but the securities custodian doesn't keep securities in my account. They keep them pooled in an omnibus account. Frankly, it's the same way that the crypto custodians work now, the crypto exchanges, they pool everything in an omnibus account. Um, but here's the problem. In, in securities, then they'll turn around and lend securities from the omnibus account. So even though you've shut off lending and rehypothecation in your own brokerage account, you didn't achieve the end that you wanted, which is to increase the probability that the broker actually has the securities that it's promised to you. I have experienced this directly in a pension fund transaction uh, five years ago now, um, where the the uh, brokerage statement showed that the custodian had securities in the account, but guess what? They didn't. So um, that's, that's the legal structure of indirect ownership. And um, Wall Street's going to use that because they make a lot of money at it. And, and I do think that it's not a coincidence that the, that the Uniform Law Commission, you know, tried to pigeonhole all this into the same laws that securities, uh, the, the same um, commercial laws that apply to securities in the United States, because they want to co-opt all this. And that would just be the wrong answer. That's why I would encourage all your listeners in the United States, especially if you're in California and Nevada, Please try to work against getting the, the the uniform laws that regulate virtual currencies that have been proposed. It, it's in four states now: California, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Hawaii. Please try to defeat them, because what those laws will do is say that everything has to go through a securities intermediary in order to get optimal commercial law treatment. And I just think that's wrong. And I think it's just going to create more problems and we're going to see some big blow-ups a few years down the line on wall street for for trying to to rehypothecate and create um you know uncovered positions in crypto there's no fault tolerance in the crypto settlement system the, the reason why it takes two days to, to settle a securities trade is because they need fault tolerance in that system they can settle yesterday's trade with stock that comes in today um, that's a Ponzi scheme, but that's the way it works. And, and uh, crypto, of course, doesn't work that way. So when you try to create 
try to apply that that securities law system with all of its fault tolerances to crypto, it's not going to mix. It's crossing the streams and it's going to be ugly. So uh, again, it appears Wall Street is there knee deep into all financialization games, and, and that's their that's their interest in Bitcoin. They don't care yeah. about the they don't care about the Lightning Network. That's not a that's not a thing on Wall Street, is right. it? Or, or to the people that. Okay, they just want to play the usual games. Uh, well, they want their own second layer, right? You know, if you think about the way the exchanges work, all those exchange trades, it looks like we've had, when you trade, it looks like it's an instantaneous settlement, but it's not. It's because that it's all happening on the second layer of the exchanges. Wall Street's going to do the same thing. They're going to build their own second layer. They don't want an on, you know, a, a chain anchored layer because they want to be able to play these games behind the scenes in the omnibus accounts. You know, and that, that's one of the reasons why I think what you will see is the solvent financial institutions end up in Wyoming because they have no problem complying with those restrictions because they were never going to play three card Monty with your assets in the first place. Oh, wow. And anybody who wants to play three card Monty with your with customer assets, they're going to stay in New York. Wow. So you're saying Wyoming is like calling everybody out if you if yeah. you're the real deal if you're the real deal come here if you're not coming yeah. here you you might not have what you say you have that yeah. it's a it's an interesting test it's an interesting but it's not just talking smack it's real right it's real substantive because we believe in direct property rights the the way that a wyoming digital asset custodian is going to work it's 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 something called a bailment under the law a bailment is i give you possession of my property but i don't give you title to it and so I, you're not in a debtor-creditor relationship with your financial institution, the way that New York forces all of us to be in debtor-creditor relationships with securities firms. And, and of course, we're in a debtor-creditor relationship with banks. We don't own our bank deposits. We've lent the bank our money. Um, so it, it's a really different and, and much more property rights, good fences make good neighbors oriented regime. If you want to adopt into the omnibus accounts, um, traditional, a contract with an intermediary, you can, but there, under Wyoming law, you, the, the intermediary is going to have to make some very clear, plain English disclosures to you that you're going to lose money and not be bailed out if something goes wrong at your financial institution. But, but Wyoming law gives you a choice. If you want to store your asset at a custodian and have it be like a money warehouse where you've just given them control, but you, for, you retain title to that asset, you can have a custody relationship that way as well. It's very different than anything available in New York. There's that's not available in securities today. It's just not. It uh, should be. Yeah. And and ultimately, as securities get issued on blockchains, guess where I think the custodian business is going to end up? I think if you and I get together in 10 years, we're going to have seen a lot of assets are suddenly in the state of Wyoming and they're migrating away from New York. Because, because capital goes to where it's treated the best. And if it's got an option based on the crypto industry for a financial, you know, high quality financial institution to provide these services in a way that doesn't force you to become a debtor creditor relationship with your financial institution, you know, people are going to figure that out over time. And those, those assets are going to end up in Wyoming and only the good financial institutions are going to be able to comply with Wyoming's laws. 
Oh, this next decade is going to be exciting in the crypto I space. Know. Going yeah. from New York and California to Wyoming. Let's <laughs> may, may it happen. May it happen. Well, let's talk about one tra traditional player in the crypto space right now that I got to ask you about that everybody's vilifying and and Coinbase. They're clearly mm -hmm. going in. A, they're clearly stated what direction they're going in now. What what do you think about the direction they're going in? Again, for me, it's like let them do what they're going to do. If they're going to appeal yeah. to the if they're going to appeal to the masses and play by all the financial rules, New York, this, that, and the other, then let them let them do what they're going to do. To me, it's no problem. But what do you think? Well, I've been pretty critical of Coinbase because of the way they handled the withdrawal from Wyoming in 2015. A lot of people ended up having their coins frozen. Because they didn't give them enough um, advance notice, and then once they pulled out of Wyoming because of Wyoming's bad money transmitter law, which has now been fixed, um, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a bad situation. A lot of Wyoming people were pretty angry at Coinbase, but I will say this: I'm going to give them a big compliment. They've been 100% right in criticizing that Uniform Law Commission Supplemental Act, and that has now been introduced in California, which is where they're based. I have not seen them make a public statement about it, but I can't wait until they do because they were very critical of the process while the process was underway. I got to give, give big chops to two organizations, the Bitcoin Foundation and Coinbase for fighting that while that process was underway. And it was kind of a quiet process. Not a lot of people were involved, but there were two who vehemently stood up and said, this is wrong. And Coinbase was one of them. And they said they wanted bailments. I don't think Coinbase is afraid of, of the Wyoming laws because they were advocating for what Wyoming ultimately ended up passing. So uh, come on into Wyoming, Coinbase. I know there's been you know not a great history because of the the you know your withdrawal from 2015 back in 2015, but uh, you know that's water under the bridge. There are uh, there are better, uh, more friendly people uh, uh, it, it, helping these businesses in the state of Wyoming and much, much friendlier laws, most importantly. Um, so come on into Wyoming if you don't want to stay in California and comply with that mess. Oh, there's the challenge right there. But I got to say what, what you're saying there, you're saying Coinbase, they, they're they not afraid of the Wyoming uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Thus, you're implying that the people have accused all sorts of exchanges, not just Coinbase, of practicing fractional reserve lending. Well, then if, if yeah, then you're saying yeah, you're no, not worried about you, you, they're look, solving I don't know. in your eyes. No, none of us knows. But but here's what I'll say: they were advocating for a bailment legal relationship in custody back when the the Uniform Law Commission stuff was going on. I don't know if they've changed their philosophy because that was now almost two years ago. Uh, but back then they were on the right track. And and also I had assets at Coinbase before I really figured out the not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Um, and there was a big run on Coinbase and it was either summer of 2015 or 2016. And it, and it you know kind of started on Twitter um, where people were saying, hey, they're slowing down, you know, withdrawals. And is this another gox? And uh, I, I withdrew my assets just like a lot of people. Um, Coinbase never publicly said, you know, what that run did to them, but uh, they survived it, right? So if they were really leveraged, you know, would they have become a quadriga, you know, or a, or a gox? So they survived it. I, I actually do think that there's that that counts for a lot. That these crypto businesses that have survived the trial by fire. 
um, because they're constantly under attack uh, from hackers and that they have dropped the ball on occasions, systems gone down um, and they've survived it. Again, it's the Lindy effect almost for the exchanges. Um, and it's gonna be fascinating to see whether the Wall Street firms, which are not tried by fire and do not have the skill set of you know having experienced a run and having their system goes systems go down right and thinking about Kraken you know look how look how effectively they they bounced back from their issue a few years ago where their system went down for a while um, you know this is things are the, 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 there's a Lindy effect to these exchanges as well and um, Quadriga shows us that you know you can actually be insolvent for a long time and still be liquid. And you're, it's not until you become illiquid that you blow up and have to close your doors. It seems that Quadriga, based on everything I've read, I'm not an expert, of course, but um, reading from uh, some, of the, some of the things Jesse Powell and Brian Armstrong have published about their own um, in, investigations into what happened at Quadriga, uh, it looks like Quadriga probably wasn't solvent for a long time before the CEO died. Um, and if that, if if all those things are true, it just is another piece of evidence that you can be solvent, insolvent for a long time, but still stay in business. Um, so I realize that you know I'm weighing the Lindy effect versus the the notion that you can be insolvent and people might just might not know it yet. I, I, I the not your keys, not your coins is is a big deal um, and. You know, I learned the lesson the hard way in Mt. Gox and got careless with Coinbase. But um, you know, back then we ne we finally had an alternative, uh, and and that's when hardware wallets started to become ubiquitous, and people didn't have to rely on the exchanges so much. Um, and so, anyway, that's I've got a nuanced view of Coinbase, but come on into Coinbase, and you know what? If you have no problem complying with Wyoming's laws, uh, and you know. It'll say it'll speak volumes if you end up redomiciling into Wyoming. All right, two questions, and one of them uh, you just inspired actually. Not your keys. Uh, the, the the movement to take uh, people's uh, for people to take their proof Bitcoin of keys. Exchanges. Yeah. Proof of keys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm forgetting. That was that was January third of uh, yeah. this year. But they're yeah. going to do it again. Everyone, there'll be yeah. more hype leading up to January third, twenty twenty. Do you yeah. think it's going to make it? Do you think it's going to make a difference this time? Do you think it's going to bring? Do you, you think it's going to bring down an exchange? Maybe. Well, you know, it was Trace Mayer's idea. Uh, everyone knows Trace has been helping uh, helping us in Wyoming. Um, he and I have been pals for four, or five years now, um, uh, and and I just respect uh, everything that he's done for this community. Uh, and and this was a brilliant idea, and he only got it started in December. Yes. Um, but what's fascinating is. Um, look, no one will ever know, you know, you never can point to a specific event, but Quadriga, you know, going down, starting to really go down in December when proof of keys got started and people started taking their coins off exchanges, uh, you know, is there a coincidence or is, is there a causation? I, no one knows, we'll no one will ever know the answer to that. But I, I think there is a, a pro some probability, however small, that proof of keys already did bring down an exchange. All right. Well, we, I think we'll know 
next year, if if he if we really get the hype going with this, and again, people take well, I don't know why you're storing it at third parties, put it on your Trezor, your ledger, your whatever. But again, there'll be more hype. It won't just be one month of people talking about it. It's gonna be many months. You're talking everyone's still talking about it now. If yeah. if someone's if exchanges do go down because of it, then it'll be very likely that yeah, maybe this one was caused by that. The quadrigo was well, we we shall see. And I, you know, I don't wish I don't wish bad things. I I but if, no. if someone's practicing fraction, they got to get called out eventually. They got to get called out eventually. And uh, Absolutely. It's, it's sad. They're, it's sad they're insolvent. They, they, they've, yes. they've, 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 they've stolen from you. Yeah. 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 In, in, so, uh, insolvency needs to be called out. And the, in the, and the more, the, if insolvency is, if we get rid of insolvency as best as we can in this industry, it'll be, it'll be good for the long-term health of the industry long-term because right now we've got, we got things like Cryptopia happening. Oh, we lost 9.4% of the funds, but we're reopening and people are excited about it. People are excited that Cryptopia. <laughs> yeah. We should. So that, that's where we are right now. Well, in in, okay. Yes. Yeah. I do think caveat emptor right now that there are, you know, we went through the wild west of no regulation on any of this. What's going to happen now is, that people I think are going to seek out because in part the regulators are putting pressure on them, right? Look at what Shapeshift did and 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 doing KYC and AML. Um, th these guys are just under constant regu regulatory threats. Um, and so I think what's going to happen is you're going to seek out the good regulation. That's part of the reason why when we drafted the Wyoming bill, we did it in such a way as uh, to make it common sense. Yeah, of course, if, 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 you, if there's fraud and theft, they're, the basic fraud and theft laws that are already on the books are absolutely going to apply. And, you know, in some cases, the only thing we're going to ask you for is a name and address so we can come after you uh, if, if, if this is what you do. This is how the utility token uh, le legislation works in Wyoming. There's, there's not direct regulation, but you do have to notify the Secretary of State who you are and give an address for service of process if they actually have to come after you. So that's not, you know, that's not an un reasonable request uh, to to get a a um, to get registration so you know there's some things like this that are that are happening that I think are very reasonable and uh, you know I think it's Gemini that that's actively coming out and saying they're the regulated exchange regulated in New York uh, again I think you know come on to Wyoming over time people are going to realize regulated in New York is a lot worse than regulated in Wyoming New York regulates the wrong things. They don't regulate the real consumer protection, which is, you know, give people property rights. Let let them let this be a money warehouse as opposed to me having to give my coins to you and then um, be in a debtor creditor relationship with you and end up, you know, losing a lot of money if something goes wrong. I mean, this is, this is getting me so excited that there's this there's this competition uh, for one state that's offering like real well the, the, this. The, the regulation in New York, it's so invasive. It's so, it's, yeah. it's bad for the consumer. And what, what, Wyoming, is offering is, what Wyoming is offering is the, is, is the opposite. So I hope logically, which one should win? Wyoming should win. So I, I hope we really do right. see this over the next decade. I, I, people going in that, the Wyoming direction. And again, that's why I, I love, so <laughs> that, that's why I love that we have 50 states because if one yeah. wants to be all strict about it, well, let them be strict about it. And then if one doesn't want it, let's, okay. So well, but the strictness is not the, is not the crazy regulatory busy work strictness. The strictness is the basic principle of 
good neighbors make good fences. Let's actually have real clarity as to who owns what here. What's the real nature of the relationship? And then if, God forbid, the exchange goes down, if you have a bailment, you actually own those coins. You're not going to get stuck in some nasty bankruptcy where you're a creditor of your of the firm. That's how it works in securities right now. Let's you know we don't have to replicate that system. We've got a better one. We've got much better technology with with the crypto systems. So let's actually have a legal regime that reflects that much better technology as opposed to trying to pigeonhole it into the crappy legal regime that has been so investor unfriendly. Yes, very good point. Well, here's the last question. Um, and this is for all the impatient people out there because uh, they always want to hear dates and predictions and this. <laughs> Again, we and, and we talked about this. It, it's funny. This show, we, we, it's the opposite of the last show. It's great. Watch both shows, people. So now financialization, ETF. Um, when's ETF coming? Oh, uh, people ask me all the time. And, you know, we went through that situation with the whole, the ETF was withdrawn and now it's back yeah. in. And I just keep telling people it, eventually it's going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter. You got to be patient. What, what are your thoughts on the ETF situation? See, I'm not a fan of it because it's, it's an old world financial product. And I don't think I think it's neutral at best and more likely to be bad for Bitcoin because it's this is the kind of financial structure where uh, it, operational shorting. Go go look up the definition of operational shorting and you'll see what that means. It's actually authorized for ETF market makers to go short the underlying in order to keep liquidity in the ETF. Okay, so basically you're going to have uncovered short positions developing in Bitcoin. Okay, let's step back. What does that mean? Is that so bad? There, I, it's funny. I've seen some stuff come out on Twitter. People are starting to really push back on whether uncovered short positions are such a bad thing. But let's just take it to first, first principles, basic economics, supply and demand. If you hold all else equal and the supply of something goes up for whatever reason, the price of it is going to go down. Think of your basic supply demand curves. Your, your supply just went up, so your price is going to go down. Now, what they're doing is artificially increasing the supply because they're creating an un, you know a, a Bitcoin IOU that's treated as if it's Bitcoin. And guess what? That's going to push the price down. And guess what? I can't prove it, just like I can't prove that proof of keys had an impact on Quadriga. No one will ever know. But I, I can't prove I can't prove the following. But I think it's logically true. It already did have an impact, a negative impact on the price of Bitcoin. All this, all this explosion last year in the volume of coin lending, there are uncovered positions being being you know built in Bitcoin already that are suppressing its price. So you know I, there, there are some people who think all coin lending is bad. Uh, I'm a little sympathetic to them, except I don't think all coin lending is bad. Um, uh, I mean, it's certainly easier if nobody ever lends their assets, but uh, but but the economy expands because people do lend their the, the assets that they don't need to consume, and um, and and somebody who needs to have that asset for investment purposes can use it and create real, true economic wealth. Then it's it's a win-win for both parties, and so. Lending your Bitcoin is if it's if it's one to one collateralized, I'm supportive of um, it's where you start to get these. It's 50 percent collateralized or it's one third collateralized. That's where you've built uncovered positions in Bitcoin that suppress its price. And I think, you know, that a that's already happening with all the coin lending that's going on and B. 
markets are always forward anticipating. And so I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that the price, the high price in Bitcoin occurred the same day as the announcement of the first cash settled Bitcoin future at the end of 2016, 27, 20, yeah, 2017. Um, and then the, uh, sorry, it's all starting to run together. And then, you know, when the backed announcement came out, initially people said, this is huge. This is going to make the price go up. Look at what the price actually did. It went down. Markets are forward looking. They understand the impact of all these things, even if it's counterintuitive. And I don't think that it was a coincidence that the price went down in both of those instances. But in, in the end of the day, if people people can call for the real asset, if they think there's only ah, so much fake, there's yeah, so, so much fake Bitcoin you so, can do. So this is this is the fault line. People don't always call for the real asset, and the real and, and and financial institutions can play three card monte with your asset because they're counting on not everybody calling for the real asset at the same time. That's why proof of keys is so important. And we should do surprise proofs of keys that give, you know, one week notice. We should do that, too, because, you know, that's that's going to call out the insolvency of anybody that is playing these three card Monty games. Just like I said with Quadriga, for whatever happened there, they were, it's clear they were insolvent for a long time, but they, they didn't tell anybody. And they they may have been trying to trade their way out of it and um, make it back. I, I, I posit to you that happens all the time. There are insolvent financial institutions that try to trade their way out of it. That's what happened with MF Global, with John Corzine, the former governor of New Jersey. Um, and so what he did was dip into client assets, client accounts. Um, and by the way, that was legal. So um, there's a reason why you know nobody from MF Global went to jail because what they did was legal. This stuff, it, it happens all the time in financial markets and they count on not everybody withdrawing their assets at the same time. And for the most part, they get away with it. Yeah, most people that want to control their own private key, most people are happy with other people controlling their Bitcoin. I have no idea why. They, 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 welcome to the new paradigm, people, but people are just still stuck in that old traditional finance uh, paradigm where they're used to yeah. What they think is what they think is theirs being controlled by someone else. So, well, you know, and that's why we have all these fault tolerances. We talked earlier about T plus two days to settle a trade and, you know, operational shorting and failures to deliver. Look up the ETF rules. The you can fail to deliver the underlying for two days and then you just select another failure for another two days and then you just select another failure for another two days. And all of a sudden, you know, a big, a big uncovered short position gets built up in these assets. So it's true, it happens regularly. The Dole Food case is uh, exhibit A, that this is how the financial markets work. And, and you know a lot of the Wall Street folks are trying to apply these same things to Bitcoin. And they're, they're gonna chafe under the Wyoming rules. And that's a good thing. The Wyoming rules are, are all about basic property rights and you cannot rehypothecate assets. You cannot create uncovered short positions. You are gonna be solvent if you're gonna be in the state of Wyoming. Um, and again, you know, a, a lot of people think little Wyoming and flyover America didn't didn't know, you know, who the heck are they uh, uh, to to create these these laws in this advanced technology? You know what? They're they're applying very basic common sense principles. It, it, if it's mine, it's mine. If it's yours, it's yours. And uh, you know, and you own it outright. And 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 the custodians. Again, I hate the concept that custodians have to exist, but they do for institutional investors. 
and they, but, but they, it's going to be a different custody relationship. That's much more investor friendly. All right. So bottom line ETF it's coming. It's come. When do you think it's coming? I know you, and you're not a fan of it, but when, when do you think we're going to see it actually happen? Oh, I would guess later this year. If you, if you really pin me down later this year, at this point, you know, I don't think it's, as I said, I think it's at best neutral and, and more likely to be negative. So let's get it over with. And, 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 you know, candidly, we need to be watching all these traditional financial institutions applying traditional products. I'm, I'm much more comfortable with the, with the crypto based financial institutions getting into traditional products as opposed to traditional financial institutions getting into crypto. A, because they're going to apply these, you know, financialization principles to crypto. They're going to try and they're going to get away with it for a while. Uh, and B, because they just don't have the tech skills, right? They haven't been tried by fire, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, and well, crypto, ever, you can't make any any mistakes, as you know. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Holder, yeah. Holders of last resort, be as strong yeah. as ever. Don't give yeah. up your Bitcoin to these uh, firms that want to do this magical financialization. Just, I mean, we've, we've got power on our, our side if you can hold on, if you can hold yeah. on to it. All right. Yeah. So, uh that that is the end. Any what are oh, your conclusionary wow, thoughts? Yes. What, what, what you you've said so much. You've I mean you've learned so <laughs> much about Wyoming. You've you've tied it all together too. It's it's all interlocking here, people. Financialization. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean uh, the regulations. <laughs> New York versus Wyoming. Big versus small. What what are your what are your final thoughts for the audience? Uh, look, I mean, there's a reason why I was so attracted to Bitcoin and, and to blockchain in the first place. When I saw the problems in the in the mainstream financial industry, and I saw where the bodies are buried, not all of them are nefarious. They're they're systemic problems. And instead of trying to fix the system from within, which is what I tried to do for a few years, I've gone all in on public crypto, and I think public crypto is the answer. Uh, but we should not try to cross the streams and have traditional financial products like ETFs and futures and, and the like that are uh, that are settling in crypto, because guess what? They're not settling one to one in crypto. They're going to create uncovered positions in crypto. So don't be so excited about them. Be more excited about what's happening in in the one for one respect your property rights type of organizations where you know if anything ever goes wrong you're not going to end up taking a haircut because the asset is always yours all right this has been a great interview legendary some would say all right remember this we do this show every friday it's too bad that caitlin can't be here every friday <laughs> but tune in next friday fridays after that this week in bitcoin techball.com follow me on twitter at techball follow caitlin below she's listed her Twitter's listed there. I do a new show every day. It's just me usually, but you never know what you're going to get here. Conviction, people. Have the Bitcoin conviction. So thanks again, Caitlin. Thanks again, everybody, for being on the show. Thanks again, Jim, who contributed in the Super Chat. We got a wild awesome. decade. We got a wild decade ahead of us here. And, and just remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. <laughs> there you go. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Pound that like button. See you all later. Bye-bye.